0: Welcome to the Melanin Private Practice Group Podcast with your host, Jay Lynn. In this podcast, we focus on providing helpful information to new and existing mental health practitioners interested in starting a private practice and or those who are currently in it but just need a little bit of help. If you are ready to receive this word, let's dive in. Here we go. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another episode of the and Private Practice Collective Podcast. I am your host, Jalen, and I'm super excited to be coming to y'all today to talk about identifying issues within your business processes. Now, y'all know business development is my jam. Like I absolutely love developing new products, new services, new programs, everything that we can potentially do in order to get patients in the doors and and have your practice thriving. Like, I absolutely love it. But you know what I love most? I love performance improvement. I love looking at ways to increase efficiency and develop stronger workflows. And most importantly, be able to meet customer satisfaction. Why is that? Why do you think that that is something that I'm most passionate about? I want you to take a moment to think about it. Just based off what you've heard me talk about on this podcast thus far, why am I most excited about performance improvement? Okay. Well, if you've guessed it, (laughs) I'm excited about performance improvement because I'm always learning and I'm always growing, which means my clients are always learning and they're always growing. You're not going to get things 100% right the first time. Let's just be honest. Failing is an opportunity for you to learn. And if we are not taking the criticism of our patients to better understand what we could be doing better, we're doing a dissatisfaction. So earlier today, I was on Clubhouse and I did this room and then I had to get off. I had a 12 o'clock interview with a potential affiliate marketer and I realized, you know, 15 minutes in that I'm like, this lady is not coming. And I thought to myself, what could I have done to avoid that and ultimately get my time back, right? To avoid not having to sit on a Zoom for 15 minutes waiting for somebody to lock in. And I realized had I sent a follow-up email the night before, something that I don't typically do, I probably would have been able to remind her or even been able to gauge whether or not something had, had happened and I could have spared myself that 15 minutes. Now, granted, it's her responsibility, It's just, but it is also my responsibility to ensure I've done the due diligence. We booked this what two almost three weeks ago, and so if it's not on your calendar, and I and I am no, um, how do I say, perfect person when it comes to calendar management, okay. <laughs> Ironically, I can manage other people's calendars just fine, but when it comes to my own, for some reason, I just have all these problems. And I recognize that. This is why, you know, I thank the Holy Spirit for sending me an intern this summer. Amen. <laughs> but I know this about myself to improve my processes and to improve my outreach and the way in which I communicate with people. So, We're gonna talk about understanding your business processes and making sure that they are working in your favor, but also in the favor of your patients. And a part of identifying your process is first mapping it out. Now, I don't want to find out that you guys had not mapped out a process and you've been in business now for two, three years. At some point, you should have sat down, looked at what are the entry points to my practice and mapped out a process that is efficient. It is not time consuming, right? It it can take anywhere from 10, maybe 15 minutes fast and it works for both you and your patients. I have to tell you this because apparently nobody else is telling you guys this stuff. If you are not satisfying your patients, you do not have a business. If you do not have a business, you cannot make money. And if you can't make money, you can't pay your bills and do all the lavish things that you like to do in life. So getting down to the nitty gritty and sitting down as much as it hurts to look at every entry point and decide whether or not each Process, each entry point is efficient, is crucial. It is the make it or break it kind of experience you can have in your practice when it comes to client attraction. And client attraction is a whole nother beast. We'll talk about that in another episode. But I wanted to make sure that I hammered down the importance of being able to go step by step by step, what direction your patient is going in order to achieve the ultimate goal which is booking an appointment with you okay so let's say we'll use the website for example let's say your process says that the patient logs on to your website they've come from google they've clicked on your website link and now they're beginning the process of going through the intake And let's say you have an online intake packet and your packet takes maybe about five minutes to complete. The patient goes through and they're going through and they're going through and they're going through and they finally get to the last page of that packet and it says, submit this in order to get your appointment. And then they get this pop-up message that says, hey, thank you so much for submitting your documentation to us. We appreciate you taking the time to complete it. We'll get back to you in 72 hours with a date and time that works. You've now confused the patient, okay? You've told the patient that they needed to complete the paperwork in order to book an appointment. Now they've completed a portion of your intake package. You know, they've completed their demographics, their insurance information, what they're coming to counseling about. Now they're being told that once they submit this this paperwork, they'll be able to book an appointment. Book an appointment. I want to emphasize the word booking, okay? But their next screen, the next screen that pops up says, hey, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to get back to you with an appointment date or time. What do you think that patient experiences in that moment? On a separate piece of paper, I want you to jot down all the potential thoughts your patient persona is experiencing in that moment. Did you set them up for booking an appointment online? Or did you set them up for a callback? expectation and perceived expectation is everything. If you had told me that I would have to wait for a call back at the very beginning, I would have just called the office because I want to access you right now. And I know if you are a single practitioner, accessing you right now is probably like not <laughs> in the cards, All right, You want to be able to have it streamlined and weighed and, and, and perfectly knit in a bow. What you want and what your patient want is two different things. And even with setting expectations, you still need to make sure that you're creating timely access. So as much as we want to complain and say, oh, these patients, they just want so much from us, we need to be able to recognize it's not just about us without your patient you would have no practice let's be 100 okay so make sure that you're mapping out your process and if you've got into the landing the landing phase of the steps right you've climbed the five steps you've gone through the process the intake the the submitting of the button and you get this pop up Page And then when you exit out of it, there's nothing else that that comes to you. Now, what is the expectation? What happens if they don't get that call back within 72 hours? What happens when they call in and the receptionist starts going through the prompts of telling them to go online before she's actually gathered whether or not they've booked? All of these things matter right it matters because it's going to make or break that patient experience so you need to walk backwards through the process to identify different areas where there could potentially be a problem where you could potentially lose patients where you could potentially where you could potentially uh lose paperwork or even drop the ball with patient new patient contacts so making sure that you are understanding the process and understanding the challenges that the processes face will also help you to improve the process. Maybe you change the language. Maybe you change the way that patients can book. Maybe you change the way that receptionists handle calls of patients who haven't received a call back yet. There are so many different things that can come from reviewing your processes and it should be done in a, on a weekly basis versus a monthly basis, right? You should be constantly taking feedback, conducting interviews with your employees or your independent contractors and your patients and even your vendors and understanding all the functionalities of every system that you're using to ensure you're giving the best quality your patients deserve. Then next is to review your documentation. I cannot stress this enough. Reviewing documentation is so important. And we're not just talking about the intake paperwork, right? We're talking about your standard operating procedures. We're talking about your work instructions. We're talking about your policies and guidelines. If you find that something needs to be improved and you make the change, but you don't update your training materials can you really be mad if your if your employees don't get it because just because you told them doesn't mean that they don't have a thousand things on their plate. Let's keep it 100, y'all. You need to be able to document this stuff and then you can be able to go back to your employees and reiterate if something has changed and we've communicated it and you don't remember please feel free to use these guidelines because we constantly update them for you so you know what's taking place and what changes are required in order to move this practice forward. And you can get them in the habit of referencing material versus trying to remember everything at the top of their head. Believe it or not, I know a lot of people say, oh, I shouldn't have to tell a grown adult what to do unfortunately when you signed up to become a leader you also signed up for the responsibility of actually guiding your practice in the right direction that's a part of being a chief executive officer so making sure that you're taking your staff down the path you need them to go and sometimes it requires just a little bit, not a lot, but just a little bit hand-holding and reminding them of things, especially if they're someone that lacks organization, but they may have stronger skills in every other area, right? Okay, in data collection, data collection is important because it tells you a story, right? Data collection could be anywhere from the type of insurance that you're constantly seeing, the type of codes that you're constantly using. It could be barriers, social determinants of health, things that are negatively impacting your patients, which in return can have a negative impact on your practice. I'll give you a quick example and I'm going to end this with bullet point four and then we'll be back next week with part two of the of um, identifying the issues in your process. So I had a patient come into a mental health practice where I was the practice manager and the patient would constantly bring her child. And the therapist that she was seeing at the time, she was very adamant that children could not be in the sessions with the parents. That children either needed to wait in the waiting room Or they needed to be home or elsewhere. They just could not come to the session because she really wanted mom or dad, whoever was coming in for therapy, to be able to focus on their healing journey without the distractions of their children. Well, (laughs) this was a problem for one particular patient because she was a single mom she did not have family in the area that could help support her with child care and did not trust strangers to keep her child. How many know that we live in strange times nowadays? <laughs> and in these strange times, you know, you're really, it's really a hit or miss with whether or not your child is going to be successful. And, and what I mean by successful is I mean safe, right? So She kept reiterating to the therapist, like, I get where you're coming from. However, I am a mom first. This means that my child will be present. She has headphones. She's in the corner. She's quiet. You're not gonna tell me to leave my child in the waiting room with with strangers whom I don't know. No, I need need to be able to see my child 24 seven. right? And so again, the therapist the therapist had a problem, the patient had a problem. And it ended up getting to the point where the patient was discharged from their practice because they could not come to a common ground. I say all this to say that collection data, had, had she collected this data ahead of time, meaning she understood the barriers the mom was facing, she knew that the mom was was not having adequate child care and she knew that the mom was struggling to trust people not only would she have been able to gauge where that mistrust comes from but also she would would have been able to come up with a plan for how she could help mom maybe it's telehealth instead of in person right maybe You know, instead of coming to the practice where it could ultimately be distraction, she's having this session via Zoom, via telehealth platform, where she can still focus on herself and not have to worry about somebody telling her what she should not and should be doing as a mom. These are things that you should gauge ahead of time. Right. So conducting your data. Um, I'm sorry, not conducting. Collecting your data is super important to be able to determine what is the best appropriate accommodation, but cause for people in our area who we're targeting and how can we make sure that we're not losing clients based off the continued reiteration of an expectation right? Um, sometimes expectations could be wants and desires versus need-based and it can put a distaste in patients' mouths and, and ultimately hinder them from being able to get the help in the future. Now, granted, you know, we always get that one person who thinks like, well, you know, if they really want the help, they'll go out and get it. That's true, But how you set the tone for your practice will make or break the experience that the patient has. And let's just be honest, patients' voices matter, especially now in the midst of a crisis. There have been people who've been waiting for three, almost four years to be seen. And at the first time of coming into the practice and they are dealing with somebody who's throwing all these rules and laws and expectations at them. That's not welcoming and inviting, right? so if the purpose is for people to change, and the purpose is for people to be able to grow and 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 get to that next level. We have to meet them right where they are. And maybe that looks like developing a strategic partnership with a local daycare, knowing that you are seeing patients or seeing parent patients after a certain hour, and you know that they potentially have children. Maybe you're setting an agreement that the clients pay a specific rate for an hour of of being able to join other children while they're meeting with a therapist. There are so many different things that could come about. Maybe you have an internal person that keeps the children occupied in a little play area. Again, that's one of many examples of why you need to collect data to understand how your processes could have an effect on your business in the long term, right? Because if you get too many patients complaining about the same thing, oh, they're strict, oh, they're rude, oh, you know, they just, they told me I can't bring my children and you're targeting parents, mind you, like your niche is dealing with the family dynamic, then you kind of have a problem, don't you? If you don't have something in place where your policy says no kids, but yet you're targeting (laughs) parents with kids, make it make sense. So make it easier for you Think outside the box of different ways that you can incorporate solutions so that you're not having these unnecessary conflicts. And lastly, I'll end with this, conduct interviews. Whether they're a current patient or a former patient, seek their feedback. Ask them about their entire experience. Don't let the offboarding and the discharging of the patient be left with, thank you so much for your time. I enjoyed working with you. Ask them how you can improve. Just because a patient doesn't say anything from the time that they first came in contact with you to the time that they leave doesn't mean that they didn't notice things that could be improved. I'll give you one more example and then I'll end the call at 1240. So I'm a patient, much like most of y'all, you know, if you are actually attending your appointments, amen. <laughs> and uh, when I go into doctor's offices, I see everything. And as a healthcare administrator, my eye and what I see is much different from the average consumer. And so if I see you texting or, or um, you know, chewing gum while you're on the phone and then getting an attitude with a patient, in my mind, I just want to retrain you, right? (laughs) I don't know who trained you in in phone or or even just professionalism, right? I don't know who's texting you. It could be your daughter. It could be your mother. You could be taking patient information. Who knows? We don't know. What we know is perception. So, I just want to be able to correct you in that moment. But I know that if I do, that it's likely there's about to be a conflict depending on your personality type and your attitude. And I'm not coming to therapy to leave frustrated or even start my session frustrated. So I have to learn how to say it in such a way where I'm reaching the practice manager. I'm being discreet and I'm saying, hey, you know we saw this. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know. This person could have a problem with me and taking my information. Who knows? What I do know is that the phone should not be out. Or what I do know is that it was rude. And if she can talk to that person like that, she can talk to me like that. And I don't like it. And I didn't like witnessing it. I didn't like seeing the wretchedness, right? And so... Understanding what your employees are going through, understanding what your customers are going through, understanding what vendors experience when they deal with your staff or or deal with the process of trying to procure at your location is super important. So again... Map your process, know it going forward, you know, up the stairs, know it going backwards down the stairs. Review your documentation, know your standing operating procedures, know what you're changing, know what your guidelines and your policies are and the instructions for how to perform the work and make sure you're updating it and reinforcing the updates and the continual learning process. Make sure you're collecting that data, y'all. Get the information in on um, what is and is not working for your clients and how it can have an impact on your on your practice. Right? You don't want a patient to come in and then you have to discharge them two weeks later because they're quote unquote noncompliant, but you could have avoided that noncompliance had you collected the proper data. And then lastly, conduct your interview, seek the feedback. Right? Feedback is not going to kill you. It's going to make you stronger. It's going to help you to grow as a leader, as a practice, as someone who's building brand authority in your marketplace and in marketplaces that you wish to expand to. So thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Again, I have to run, uh, but we're going to do part two. And part two is going to cover analyzing data, prioritizing your improvements, and developing action plans for how you can implement the changes in your business last but not least evaluate your processes make sure that you understand what's happening as you've improved your processes so those are things that we're going to cover in part two all right y'all it's fun it always is and i look forward to the next episode bye for now well friends that's our time we hope you enjoyed today's episode this podcast is sponsored by JLW Medical Management Consulting. We are now accepting applications for the patient referral program and the 90-day private practice boot camp. If you would like to learn more, please visit us online at www.jlwmedicalmh.com. We look forward to seeing you next time.